Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here, isn't it? It's brilliant. Um, I'm just going to show a video um, before, we, uh, before we start. Can we uh, just put the video? I'm just going to watch it. Uh, the story, this, this um, experiment that we've done, a guy giving away money, you know, but... Not everybody. What would you do if you came across a homeless man who tried to give you money? Would you even notice that the sign clearly said, please help yourself? Watch what happens. There you go. It feels good to give. There you go. Hey, there. Ugly day, man. Hey, guys. Oh, there you go. That's for you. Can I help you make your day? Right, you can uh, stop it there. But, uh, stop it there, Dave. Dave. Right, you can stop that. It goes on, gone for a while. So, basically, this this guy, what we're giving away, giving away free money, but nobody wanted it. Nobody even noticed that. You know, they, they ignored what what he was actually doing. So they, you know, they missed out. They missed out on, on free money. You know, that's never happened to me. Nobody's ever offered me free money. If anybody wants to, you know, to, to try it on me, you know, then you're welcome. Nah. Well, if, yeah, if you were. <laughs> I'll not, uh, I'll not, I'll not uh, turn it down. But as, as Christmas, Christmas is coming, then we, we all... <laughs> really... <laughs> Fantastic! It's it's been worth it now. I can sit down now. <laughs> Christmas Christmas is coming, and, and the time when we're all giving gifts. You know what 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 do you want? What do you want for Christmas? You know, Joe told us last week about you know she wanted a Harry Potter uh, sweatshirt hoodie, but but Neil, you know, didn't think it it was right. You know. Well, to be honest, I've got to confess, I've never actually seen Harry Potter. I've never, uh, you know, I'm, I know that that might be shocking to you know, some of the people who've been to Harry Potter World this week. But you know what I want? I tell you what I want for Christmas. I want a full-size replica Dalek. I've told Carlis that. She's uh, well, brilliant. You can, you can buy them. You can buy them already. Already made. You can buy them. It costs them about three and a half. Thousand pound for <laughs> up to about five five thousand, depending on what type of. There's different types of Daleks; they're not all the same, so it it all depends. 
So that's what I want. You know, so if anybody wants to... Uh, you know, it worked with the money, didn't it? So, you know... Uh, so if anybody wants to, wants to you know, be generous for Christmas, a full-size Dalek, that's, that's what I'll, I'll accept, you know. But um, also, I don't, it's, we've got a pretty small room, you know, so, you know, it might be a bit of a tight squeeze, but there's always space for a Dalek, that's what I would say. But, you know, when, when you, know, you get to this time, this time of year, and people are, are giving presents, and uh, you, you get up in that present on, on Christmas Day, and you've got to pretend that that pair of socks is just the thing that you've always wanted, you know, even though all the hints that you've been dropping have not, uh, have not, not worked. Did you know that uh, every year there's about £250 million, pounds, that, that sounds like money, of gift cards that are, that are not used? That's, uh, you know, people give gift cards away and, and they're just not used, they, they expire or the uh, people just don't have them, don't use them. It's, 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 it seems like a lot, but, you know, people uh, give gifts, give, people receive gifts, and a lot, of, a lot of the times it's not always what people wanted. Have you ever had an unwanted Christmas gift? Don't, don't admit it if there's somebody sat next to you gave it to you, you know, you've got to, got to pretend that, you know, that, that you, you know, that it was just what you always wanted. But the first Christmas, we're going to, going to read about it, uh, about, about the gift that came, the gift of Jesus, from Matthew 1, verse 18. And, and this gift of Jesus, he probably, this gift was probably not what Mary and Joseph wanted. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. For Mary and Joseph to be chosen to be the parents of the Son of God, that was an amazing privilege. It was a gift not only to them but to the the whole world. I wonder how they felt when this gift, they were told about this gift, when Mary received that, that message that, uh, from the angel that she was going to be uh, the mother, when Joseph found out. Mary and Joseph, they weren't married, and it was a very different time, very different culture, and they were, they were betrothed to be married. That was similar to, to how we would be engaged, but it, it, it was a bit more... Um, 
a bit more to it than that because it, it could only be um, ended, uh, this, uh, this betrothal, by, by one of them dying or by, by divorce. So it, it was uh, like a legal uh, contract, but they weren't, they'd not gone uh, to the point where they were uh, yet married. And so uh, they wouldn't live together, they'd live, live separately until they were married. And so when Mary said to Joseph that, that she was having a baby, Joseph knew that it wasn't his. How, how did he feel? I'm sure he felt betrayed. I'm sure he felt, you know, what, what on earth has happened? I, this is not what I expected. But, you know, Joseph, he set out to do the right thing. Mary told him that she was going to have this baby. And before uh, Joseph knew, uh, before the angel came to him and, and told him that what, what had happened, the, uh, uh, Joseph he was going to put an end to their, um, to, to their um, engagement sort of thing. But yeah, he wasn't going to humiliate, he wasn't going to uh, you know, show up and make a public example, which he could well have done. He was going to quietly divorce her because he, because he was a man of integrity. He was a man who, even though he felt betrayed and he didn't know the, the full story, he wasn't going to humiliate Mary. And so God saw that and God saw his heart. And that's, that's why God chose him. That's why God chose them both, because he, he knew their heart. And so then God sent the angel and, and told Joseph uh, what had happened, that this, this baby, it was the son of God. It's not something that either of them would have, would have chosen. They, they, would have, they would have had... This would have followed them all the way through their life. They would, they would have been looked upon as this, this couple who had this baby when they weren't married. And, and they would have been looked down on. They would have been, um, in, in the culture at the time, it, as we say, it was very different. So they would have been looked down on. And, and as Jesus grew up, uh, he too would have been looked down on. That. I think that's a lot of the, uh, the negative uh, uh, Thoughts and, and the words that the, the people, like the Pharisees, had towards him. That, I think that was a lot of that was to do with his, the circumstances of his birth. He was uh, considered to be illegitimate. Uh, that you know, God couldn't work through such a person. That's how they thought uh, that the religious authorities. Um, but you know, but Jesus shows us that it doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter what where you come from. You know, God can use you. The stigma uh, would be with them all through their lives. It would be with Jesus all through his life. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he cries out and he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. But most people didn't recognize him for who he was at the time. While, while he was on earth, hardly anybody recognized Jesus for who he was. Not even his parents, actually, Mary and Joseph, really uh, understood. They knew that it was a gift from God, but they, they didn't really, until, um, until afterwards, Mary realized after, after he, he died, probably, and been raised to life, that uh, what it really involved. They didn't recognize him. Certainly, his, his siblings didn't recognize him. They thought it was at best eccentric. They didn't recognize him as uh, the son of God. Charles Wesley, in, uh, in the, the, the famous Christmas uh, carol, the old angels sing, he, he puts it in these words. 
It says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity. I think that, that sums it up, you know, the, uh, the, the wonderful thing, what, what Jesus did. That this, this baby, this, this tiny baby, it was, it was God. It was, it was the eternal God, the God who, who made the heavens and the earth, the God who, who was all-powerful, the God who without, without his, his say-so, nothing would have come to be. And that, that was God. Again, Charles Wesley, in, in another song that we, we don't hear so much, uh, or ever, we don't ever hear, um, he, he, says it, he says, Our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. That's that, 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 some of the awesomeness that, 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 God, that God just put himself into this, this tiny baby. He made himself totally dependent on two people. blows your mind when you think about it that 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 is God that is how great our God is that he wasn't going to he didn't have to show his greatness by um, doing things to to impress people he shows his greatness by humbling himself and by becoming the most vulnerable of people Jesus didn't seem like the perfect gift we often have a romantic view of the nativity, don't we? Uh, Mary and Joseph, they're in a stable with all the, uh, the, the cattle looking on. Have you heard the, the song? Well, I'm sure you have. Made famous by David Bowie and Bing Crosby. The Little Drummer Boy. I'm not sure whereabouts that is in the Bible. I think it's in the, in the Gospel of Thaddeus, I think, chapter 2. Um, the, the account of the Little Drummer Boy. And, uh, and in... Uh, and in this song, it tells us that the, that the ox and the lamb have kept time. So these, you know, to the, this drummer boy, the, the, you know, not only did the, the cattle and, the, and the, the, the animals look on, but they're the, the keeping time with the music, you know, the, all singing, all dancing. Brilliant, isn't it? All singing. You know, but even if, they are, even, if, even if the animals are all singing, all dancing, singing away, dancing to the beat, you don't really want them with a newborn baby. No matter how marvellous the animals are, you don't want them looking over the shoulder when you've got a newborn baby. It wasn't hygienic. It wasn't the best of circumstances. It wasn't a romantic uh, uh, reality. It, wasn't, it, it was harsh. It was difficult. Some people... As Jesus grew up, missed out on him. They'd been living their whole lives waiting for God to send his Messiah. They'd, they'd been studying the scriptures, been looking at the scriptures, and they'd seen in the scriptures it, it said that God was going to send his deliverer, this Messiah. One day he was going to come. And Jesus came. And they were still looking for the Messiah. And he was right there in front of them. And they didn't recognize him. And they rejected him. They missed out. They missed out on who he was. Jesus wasn't the type of gift that they were expecting. He wasn't what a Messiah was supposed to look like. They knew exactly what they thought it was going to look like. But the thing is, their preconceived ideas were wrong. If someone's offering you money and you turn it down, then you lose out. On a couple of quid. If you 
offered the gift of eternal life through Jesus and you turn it down, then you miss out on so much more. It's only through Jesus that we're reconciled to God. Some people don't like the idea of getting something for nothing. They, they, they want to earn something. They want to show that they're, that they're good enough to receive something. But the thing is, we're not good enough to receive God's gift. It's a gift. The Apostle Paul speaks about the gift of God in his letter to the Ephesians. It says, it might be coming up, I'm not sure. Yeah. It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised up with Christ, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That is a gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. The gift of God is, is Jesus. We've got nothing to boast about. We've got nothing to, to say, I've achieved this. I'm a Christian because I'm good enough. We're not. We're a Christian because we're not good enough. Jesus came as a gift to us all. The only way we can have that gift is to receive Jesus. It's the only way to be reconciled to God by accepting what he has done. We can't work our way into God's good books. When we receive Jesus... We are saved not because we're good enough, but because of what God has done, because God is good enough. It's a gift. It's held out for us, held out for us to receive it. If, if I offer you a gift, you've, you've got to receive it. You've got to unwrap it. It's no good. If, if when it gets to December the 25th, if all the gifts remain unwrapped under the tree and then you, at the end you just put them all away and don't bother to look inside them, that's not the point. The point is that you take the gift and that you, you receive it. And it, it's only any good, whatever it is, if you take it and you unwrap it and you, you do it, do whatever it is that the gift is for. Often the way we look at uh, giving, is it, it, it's, it's not about giving, it's, about, it's some sort of bargain. You know, somebody buys you something and you've got to buy them something back. You know, the disgrace if somebody buys you a gift too late and you think, it's too late. They give you a gift at the last minute. You've not got anything for them. You know, you're going to be shamed. You're going to have to uh, leave the country. You can't show your face again because of the disgrace that they've, they've bought you a gift. And, or if they buy you something and it's something that's worth much more than you've got them. I think, oh, no. You know, at best, you know, you want to get something a little bit more expensive than they've got you. Then you've got the upper hand, don't you, you know. That's often the way we look at giving. You know, it's, it's not about giving. It's, it's about this, this bargain this, that, we, that we do. But that's, that's not what the gift of God is like. The gift of God is given freely because he loves us. It's a gift. It's a gift of grace. It's not based upon what we've done for him. It's held out for us to receive. And we've got to receive that gift. 
There's nothing that we can give in return that will pay for what is done. That's not what it's about. If you don't know Jesus this morning, then he wants to know you. And that gift of God is held out for you. That gift of eternal life is through Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we can receive that gift. If you don't know him, then I'd encourage you to get to know him. The only exchange that we can give is to give our unworthiness. And he gives us so much more in return. Joe touched on last week, the account of Jesus' birth is only part of the picture. If we end it there, if we end it when, uh, with, with this baby in the, in the stable, then we don't get the picture. I should read these, some words that um, are perhaps more familiar with. Uh, Easter time. And it's speaking about Jesus as he, as he goes to the cross. He says, carrying his own cross. He went to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with, with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. That's what, that's to, that baby were born in Bethlehem. That's what it was all about. That's what he was heading towards the whole of his life. He was heading towards the cross. That's where God reconciled us to himself. That's good news for us. Probably doesn't seem like good news when you think about that, but it is good news because it is God's plan of reconciliation, that we might be reconciled to, to God. He's got a plan to reconcile us and and if we receive Jesus, then we can have that, uh, that salvation and that reconciliation. So if we've never received Jesus, then you need to do that. Maybe you've heard the story many times, but you've never done anything about it. The present remains unwrapped. What does it mean to us if we are Christians, though? Likewise, we might have heard the story many times. We might have seen uh, the nativity. We might have seen the, uh, you know, the, the, the kids with the towels on the head and the, in the dressing gown as the, um, the shepherds. But what does it mean to us? I think the wonderful thing about the gospel and about the, this, this Christmas story is that it puts us all on a level got Mary and Joseph who were really nobodies in the society of that day. There weren't people who were influential. There weren't powerful people. But God chose them. God chose them. And he says, I've seen you and I've seen that you are, that you are living right, right lives. And I want to use you. Then we've got the, the shepherds who, uh, you know, just ordinary people working, working in a, in a field, you know, looking after the sheep. They weren't wealthy people. They didn't have to store all their money in, in a tax haven. They had, they had nothing to, 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 to have except what they had from day to day. Then we had... I've got the next, this, that picture. I've got a picture to come up. If you, if you look on social media at all, you're going to see that cartoon. Somebody always puts this cartoon up every year, you know, and it's, if you can't read it, Right, we've picked up the gold and the myrrh. What on earth is that? You know, that cartoon annoys me. You know that? You know, that's not 
Of course, the joke is that's Frankenstein, but it's not Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein's monster. What do they teach people these days? <laughs> and you'll see it. Somebody's going to put it. And if, you're, if you've been thinking about putting that on Facebook, then just think about it. You know, it's, it's, it's Frankenstein's monster. It's not Frankenstein. So we need to know that. <laughs> but not only is that wrong, but, you know, there probably weren't three of them. And they certainly weren't kings, but they were wise men. The, the, the wise men, but they were, uh, they were probably uh, influential and uh, wealthy people. They probably had resources behind them. So what, what, the, what the Christmas message, what the gospel message tells us is that whoever we are, whether we're influential in, in this world's eyes, whether we feel like nobodies, we're all on a level with Jesus. None of us are any better. There's nobody who's more, who's greater in the kingdom because of what, because of what they have. It doesn't matter who we are. If we're rich or if we struggle to get by, the story of Christmas shows us that with God, we're all on the same level. God isn't impressed by our wealth. Neither is he impressed by our lack of it. God's just not interested in, and he's not, you know, that's not what impresses him. Often we're impressed by superficial things, but God's not like that. Doesn't matter if we've got two million in a bank account, if we've got two hundred pounds, or if we've just got two pence. You know, God loves us. When we receive God's gift, and it should make us more like Jesus. Jesus humbled Himself and became a servant. That's how we advance in God's kingdom. We advance in God's kingdom not by being better than somebody else, but we we advance by being a servant. By taking servants. So Jesus was show that example of being a servant. Philippians chapter 2, it says these words. Quite a familiar word, probably. It says, Who, being in very nature God, that is Jesus, being, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and at every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Jesus showed himself to be great because he was willing to be humble. He was willing to be a servant. That's not how society sees greatness. It sees greatness as, as climbing the ladder, showing yourself better than somebody else and maybe trampling on others. Joseph, in, in, a, in a Christmas story, is a great example of someone who was a servant, who had a servant heart. He did the right thing by Mary, even when he felt betrayed. And then when God showed him uh, what had really happened, 
then God, uh, then, then Joseph remained faithful. And he, he, he stuck by the calling that God had, had, had put on his life, the calling to, to act in, in that role as a father to, uh, to, to Jesus, even though he wasn't his, his natural father. He was the son of God. And he, he knew that he would take... Uh, it, it would be taking upon himself shame and disgrace. And he knew that people would look down on him. But he took the servant heart. He knew that he would carry the stigma all the way through his life. Mary and Joseph had the greatest privilege imaginable to be the guardians of Jesus. But at times it probably didn't seem like a privilege. At times it probably seemed difficult to that their families would look down on them. They'd have been seen to have let them down. Nobody would understand. Nobody would know the truth. They certainly weren't considered great during their lifetime. No one throughout the whole of their life virtually would know what they'd done. Nobody would know the sacrifice, what they'd done. God's kingdom turns uh, our traditional thinking, way of thinking on its head. We don't advance by climbing the ladder. That's not the way God's kingdom works. We're called to be servants. Jesus calls us friends. That is an amazing privilege. But we're still to have the heart of a servant. As, as Paul says in, in the letter to the Romans, he calls himself a bond servant. That's, that's somebody who's under service. He's, he's taken that role of being a servant. If we want to advance in God's kingdom, then we should serve. That's not some sort of uh, picture where we where we um, bowing and scraping and and uh, you know just feeling uh, inferior. That's not what servanthood is about. It's it's when we know who we are in Jesus that we uh, that we see that it's it's actually a privilege. To be a servant. It seems like a paradox, but actually, the way that we we are free in God's kingdom is by becoming a servant of God. That's the greatest freedom, is when we serve. And when we try and advance by, by climbing, by trampling other people, and by trying to climb to the top of the ladder, that's when we, we become imprisoned. Become imprisoned by that, that idea of wanting to be someone. That's, that's how the world works so often. It's, it works by we want to be somebody. We want to uh, show that we are great. Jesus said, For who is greater the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is, not the, is it not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves? So we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know our value to God, that he loves us. He loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us. And that's, that's where servanthood starts, by knowing who we are in Christ, by having that, um, that confidence that we are saved because of God's love for us. God saved us because of his great love. That's how much God cares for us. And 
it, that's the starting point. We've got to get to that point. We've got to have that, that confidence of who we are in Christ before we can be then confident to serve. Because otherwise, we, if, we, uh, if, we, if we've not got that confidence, if we've not got that uh, certainty that in Christ that we are secure, that in Christ that, that we are of value, we have great value to Jesus, we have great value to God, if we don't have that, uh, that certainty then we try and find our value in some other way. And we try and find that value by people looking good in people's eyes. We want, we want somebody to see us. We want somebody to see what we're doing because we've, we're insecure and we want somebody to, to recognize us by, by what we do. However, the more secure we are in Jesus, the less it matters whether anybody notices what we do. Because we get our security from him. It's really so important for us to be secure in that knowledge. So once, we, once we're saved, you know, God saves us and we are saved and we are, we are secure and nobody can take that away. That's the love that God has got for us. It's important that we realize that. Realizing it won't make us more secure, but it will, uh, in, in that sense, it won't make, because we're safe or saved and safe already, but it will make us secure in the sense that we know that. Uh, that that's, that's the sense that we need to, to have that. And if we're secure in him, then taking the role of a servant won't be troubling for us. How then does this affect the way that we live our lives? Firstly, as I said, it liberates us when we know that in Christ that we are safe, that we are, we, that we are loved. Whatever else happens, whatever uh, the, the, the world throws at us, whatever uh, difficulties or, or hardships come upon us, we know that, that, that we are secure, that we are safe in him. So that is liberating one of our values at Hope House Church, we've been looking at the values recently, is the value of being generous. And it, this, is, this is our value, being generous. That Hope House Church values those who serve willingly and generously. Selfless servanthood and humility are hallmarks of our culture. Serving is our highest calling. That's one of our values. That of being generous. Being a servant is being generous. Generous with what God has given us. Generous with our time. Generous with helping others. Generous with our money. But particularly generous with uh, being a servant and, and helping others, being with others. It might mean listening to somebody. It might mean any number of things that we do as a church. It doesn't mean that we have to be out in front. It doesn't mean that uh, what we do has to be recognized or see, even seen by people. Some of the most important roles here at Hope House are things that you never see happening. You don't know they happen, but without them, then everything grinds to a halt. So what can we practically do? You're sat there thinking, yeah, but what can I do? Well, I'm glad you've asked. For a start, on the 22nd, it's the, the carol service, and you can help by volunteering there see Ruth afterwards did I crowbar that in all caves or that, 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 uh, that yeah. 
But that's not all. There's, there's other things. You know, what, what can you do? What can, what can we practically do? When there's a work day in church, we can help out there, just carrying bits of rubbish, carrying rubbish out to the skip. When it's your connect group's time to, to group's turn to clean the church and get, get it ready for Sunday morning, then come along and grab an over and over up. Most people will never know that you've done it. No, nobody will have a clue. But that doesn't matter because our security is who we are in Jesus. And so if nobody knows, if, if, if the, the whole church doesn't know what you've done, that's fine, that's okay. Because it's about service. Then there are other opportunities. There's opportunities to volunteer and uh, the, the, the rotors and all that sort of thing. But it's never about being seen. It's never about wanting somebody to see what we do. If that's what it's about, then we've got it wrong. This is not a sermon that, uh, that needs us to come out afterwards for prayer. Everybody is always welcome to put for prayer if they want it, but this is not a sermon that's, uh, that, that, that's going to have a ministry time because we need prayer. This is just a, a, a message that we need to get it done. Somebody once came into church late. It can't have been Hope House Church because nobody ever comes late here, do they? Um, <laughs> so, somebody once came late to church and they slipped in and sat at the back. All the dodgy people sit at the back and... Uh, and they sat at the back and they, and, and they whispered to the person next to them, is the sermon done? And I said, but no, it's, it's not done. It's been preached, but it's not been done. We need to do something. We're called to be servants. And that means being generous. Generous with, with who we are. Generous with our time. Just helping out, maybe even being generous with our money. Whether it's working on the building, whether it's uh, on, on the work dates, whether it's, it's helping out in whatever way, whether it's getting it ready for Sunday morning. Just being generous with everything that we, we are because our validation doesn't come from what people think about us. Our validation comes from who we are in Christ. As we said, it's, it means the things that we do, but it might also mean being generous with our money. At, at Old House Church, we hardly ever speak about money. And that's, that's a deliberate because, you know, we, we want people to know that the reason why we, want you, we don't want you uh, for anything else apart from who you are, because God loves you. But if somebody asked a question the other week in, in the live lounge, how do we pay for all this? Well, we pay for it because the people who, who, who love the uh, who love being at Hope House Church, they, they give. Uh, uh, and and we, never, we never take a collection. We very rarely take a collection, and it's usually for, for something else if we do. And we don't make a big deal about it. But if you want to give, then you can always speak to, to Neil, who can help you with that. That's, that's the, 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 the large elf. You can. Uh, <laughs> we've, got, we've got a box at the back, or you can see the, 
uh, New Connections calling afterwards to give by card. But it's, it's not, not, that's not all it's about, but it's just that's one opportunity. Uh, and it's something we hardly ever mention, but it's something we should mention at some time, you know. But it's been generous with who we are, with, with, the, with the gifts that God has given us, with our time, with our helping out others. Maybe you think, well, what can I do? I can't do anything physically. I'm, I'm not capable of carrying a wheelbarrow full of rubbish. You know, what can I do? You can be there for other people and listen to other people. That is so important, that, that we are there for one another. That's just as much about serving to and being generous as anything. Being there, coming along. And when you're here on a Sunday, just speaking to others and, and just giving them your encouragement as to what, what, tell them what God has done for you and uh, tell them how, uh, you know, what God's plans for their, their life are. So as you get all your last minute Christmas shopping and all your panic buying done, and someone gets that present for you that you didn't anticipate, and you think, oh no, what do I do now? Then just take a step back from it all. Take a, a step back from the romanticized picture of, uh, of that first Christmas uh, 2,000 years ago. And look at Jesus who, who showed us what he's like to be a servant. He was a servant. He, he emptied himself of everything uh, that every appearance of, of, of Godhead. He was God, but he took every appearance of that, uh, of being God. He emptied himself. Well, he never stopped being God, but he emptied himself of every appearance of God. So nobody looking at Jesus would say, that is God. They would see it by his actions, by the way that he lived. They wouldn't see it by the way that he looked. But Jesus was okay with that because he was secure in his father. He humbled himself and became a servant. And that's the calling for us too. If the band want to make the way back up, please. That's the calling for us as well. To be secure in Jesus. Because God's calling on our lives. That is the most amazing thing. That, that we could ever have. You know, the fact that God, the, the eternal God, emptied himself and, and became this baby and came and lived uh, as a man. He grew up as a boy, grew up into a man. And he did that in order to, to set us free from our sins because he loved us, because he cared for us. That's what he thinks about you. You know, so when you think to yourself, well, who am I? What can I do? I'm, I'm not much good at anything. That's what God's value is on your life, that he would send his son. He would send the very best that heaven had. He couldn't send anything more. That's it. That was the limit of what God could give. That's amazing that God himself, the eternal God who owns everything, couldn't give any more. He literally couldn't give any more. He gave so much. And so that is what your value is in Jesus. So we're then called, like Jesus, to have the heart of a servant and to serve one another, to serve each other, to be there for one another, to, to build one another up when we're struggling 
and just to, to let people know that, you know that we are there for them. So that is the good news. That is the good news that, that God has done so much for us and we are called in turn to be servants and to, to serve one another.